we're off and running well uh, tonight my time and afternoon Robbie Dean's time up in Japan I'm glad to have him on with us to talk uh, about a couple of major issues that I've been wanting to explore with him for some time um, and uh, I promise not to give him any coaching tips mainly because I'm an ex-referee and I wouldn't know what I was talking about anyway but welcome Robbie thanks very much David um, the first thing I'd like to explore with you is the, um, the state of rugby in Japan. And you've been up there for quite a while now, and you've had a lot of success up there. And just uh, for, the, um, for the viewers, if you could just uh, give us a bit of a, you know, a flavor of uh, what's happening in Japan. Sure. Um, it's, very, it's a very different context up here. Uh, I'll try and give you a quick synopsis of it uh, without confusing people too much. Uh, you know, you don't have a, a club system like we're accustomed to in, in New Zealand. Uh, so the, the rugby here essentially starts at high school level and is, is strong there. You know, there's TV coverage of all the high school champs. Then the next tier, which is probably the strongest, is university. And out of university, people are identified by company teams to go into um, the League One, which is essentially a professional league. But our roster, for example, is about 50-50 amateurs and professional split, of which we can have a certain number of foreigners. Um, three marquee players, so capped internationals on the ground at any, any moment in time, and three what they call... Uh, development players, so players that can become eligible, that the foreigners, but can become eligible to represent Japan over the course of five years. So you've got half a dozen foreigners on the ground at, at any moment, which is an increase by two from what it was when I first came up here. And it's, it's added a bit of starch to the game, to be fair, as you'd expect. Um, but the, that context of the mixing of amateur and professionals, they all train essentially professionally. They all train the same way. It's just a matter of when they train. So the amateurs have a, a day job, so to speak, um, and it's very sought after to be identified out of a university team into a, a company team because you come into a job for life. So when your playing days are done, you will have been, you have done your apprenticeship within the company and they would have created a pathway for you in whatever area they've identified you, your strengths are in. And the company will look after you for the rest of your days or until such time as you decide you want to do something else. It's a unique system. And in many ways, they're actually ahead of the game uh, when you consider that they're preparing people for life after yeah, the game. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a big issue with professionalism. It is, especially given the, the current issue surrounding the number of uh, um, career-ending injuries, um, you know, in the professional game in, in Europe, in South Africa, in Australia, New Zealand. Um, but it seems to me from what you're saying that if you get a serious injury, that you can, can expect to be looked after by, you know, in your case, it's the Panasonic, is it the Panasonic Wild Knights? Yeah, well, it's the, the Panasonic company that employ these guys, but yeah, yeah. the team is now the Saitama Panasonic World Knights. 
uh, courtesy <laughs> of a redeveloped facility uh, in conjunction with the local council. Um, yeah. And it's very much a community-based project. It started with the redevelopment of the stadium for the World Cup. We had a number of fixtures there. And now we've got this purpose-built facility right alongside. It's a, it's a great setup. It's second to none, to, to be frank, uh, around the globe. You get good crowds there. I was watching the game against uh, last last Saturday. I think you guys played. Who did you play? Remind me again. Suntory. Yeah. Oh, Suntory. You had a couple yeah. of New Zealanders in there to play test matches, um, and uh, and the and crowd that's with, the... that's with restricted numbers. So yeah, I mean it'll yeah, be a full yeah. house. There won't be a spare seat once the restrictions of COVID are removed. That's amazing, um, isn't it? And, and you yeah. were telling me that you also get large numbers to watch you train. Absolutely, and that's happening now. Uh, you know, our facility, the, the public can can observe training. There's a couple of coffee shops nearby, and so it's a it's a great context. Um, and yeah, you know, a lot of thoughts gone into it. Our, our GM is is quite visionary. He's always wanted rugby to be part of the community. He you know, he's, he's a rugby man and he understands the value of the game and, and the value of the game to the people who who participate in it. So, uh, and that's the reason I'm here. You know, I, I, I don't have a private owner who's who knows no. nothing about the game. He was a former player, former co he coached Japan, he played for Japan. Yeah. So he understands, which makes life a lot easier. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and how do you find... Um, change in lifestyle up there uh, look, it's a great lifestyle um i'm not sure how much you've experienced of japan but if you haven't you not need a, to get not it. a great deal and you'll understand very quickly why we're still here i mean penny and i came here thinking we'd be here for a couple of years max but we just found we enjoyed it um in every way and we're still here we've got you know we've been here so long now we've stopped counting <laughs> and uh what about the coffee do they make decent coffee up there in Japan? they're great imitators so if somebody does something well they'll imitate it and probably do it better uh, <laughs> yes when we first arrived the, probably the best coffee you get was at starbucks but now you, you wouldn't be seen dead at starbucks there's so many more alternatives around <laughs> and um and how are you guys traveling this year then in the uh it's a it's a bit of a strange sort of a name coming from you know this part of the world where rugby league is you know it's rugby league but uh, <laughs> yeah don't get me started um <laughs> yeah i mean it's just a league you know it was top league yeah. previously now it's league one um yep we're going okay we missed the first two rounds courtesy of covid uh, Omicron, which you're now experiencing. Uh, it's hard to keep out. Uh, so we started with a 10-point deficit on the table, but we've, we're now in the top four uh, and just chipping away. So haven't dropped the game yet. In fact, we haven't dropped the game since 2019, but don't mention that too loudly. No. <laughs> but I, I've been watching um, a, a few games. We get them live here, down here in New Zealand. And it seems to me that um, there's a different way of playing up there. There's not so much crash and bash, you know. They, they're using the ball. They're using spaces. They've always been positive. They've always played a fast game. Um, it is it's more physical than it probably appears. And you're going to go look at some of the names playing it, yeah. particularly amongst the top six. It's it's the levels, you know, since we've been here, um, 
it's unrecognisable really. The game has become a lot more physical. Um, teams have, have now put a lot more emphasis on conditioning. It, it started with Santori really and, and Eddie Jones's influence. He got them in the gym and then but it was a necessity for the national team to, to be competitive. And we've seen how they've developed uh, to the point where they are competitive at World Cups now, where they weren't a couple of decades back. Um, so it's more physical than, than you think. You've only got to look at and, or talk to some of the, the current internationals that have played or are playing up here. And they'll, they'll, they'll tell you that. Um, but it is a positive game. Yeah. yeah, so it's no longer a sabbatical where, where players go up there to pick up a few extra bucks at the end of their career then. Those days are long gone, and I think you probably got, you saw evidence of that on the weekend um, with Damien McKenzie. You know, you watch him in a super rugby game, he makes line breaks here, there and everywhere. He, he didn't make too many, if any, on the weekend. No, no, that, I was a bit surprised actually. I was looking forward to seeing him play play up there so um just to finish off this little segment what um what do you think the prognosis is for japanese rugby in the next like in the next two or three world cups for example <laughs> that's a good question um look they can go either way they have the advantage um of corporate support i mean the corporates essentially fund the companies essentially fund the game up here right um it's a strength and a weakness because it's administered by what are basically amateur ad administrators uh, who are anointed courtesy of their university affiliations. Right. Um, so they're, you know, courtesy of the World Cup, they've been exposed to more commercialism, um, but they're really used to just contract out all the commercial stuff to Dentsu. Uh, but they're now trying to evolve uh, and it's going to be interesting. Look, it can go either way, as we know. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, the Southern Hemisphere nations are experiencing this themselves now. It can yes. go either way there as well. Um, there's, the game's not without challenge. It's got many challenges, uh, but they're aware of those. And, and the upside here is enormous, uh, just courtesy of numbers, you know, whether it be commercial resource or um, eyeballs. Yeah, you know the, the the our first fixture after the World Cup was against Toyota. We had thirty-seven thousand people watched yeah. it at, at the stadium. Um, uh, yeah, so yeah and I've seen I've seen photographs of the stadium, and it looks really terrific. 